Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Lisa Fiorelli, and she's a research and policy professional who has quite a few years' experience working in, in, in the, the Canadian arts and culture sector. But her experience has kind of spanned public and not-for-profit uh, fields and worlds, and, and she really is passionate about data. And it, and it doesn't, you know, on the surface, I suppose, sound all that exciting, but it's really quite fascinating what, what Lisa and I ended up having a conversation about. We basically talked about the value of arts and culture to, to not only our economy, but also to, to just society at, at large. I mean, you, there really are global implications here. Work in culture dot ca that's work in culture dot ca and um yeah listen in for for a conversation about um you know th- th- this existential question of who actually really is an artist we talk about diversity and inclusion and and we talk about why this this work is not really all that easy and and, and why it isn't just about about passion and and how people uh, really do and I, I this certainly resonates with me I mean don't most of us want to feel, feel valued valued in, in in what we do and we talk about the societal perception of art and we talk about how it you know again makes contacts contact with reality in meaningful ways around us and, and frankly in ways that we probably don't even know or aren't even that aware of so Lisa's been working with work in culture and has been um, trying to take these these numbers these stats and 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 make them uh, connect to to the act you know to actual human beings to people that matter to people that are actually getting the work done and and then what are the implications of that data and and where can we go from here so listen in lisa Fiorelli coming right up uh, don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my uh, writing and my public speaking you can certainly book me there you can also get access to my uh, copy of my book real change is incremental i'm actually we're, uh, working on something new and i'm going to be letting you 
hopefully know about that in the very near future. I've got a bit of a pitch coming up. It's on relationships and relationship management, and I'm going to be talking about that a little bit more down the road. But uh, you can copy a per- uh, whoa. You can purchase a copy. Oh, whoa, where did that come from? You can purchase a copy of Real Changes Incremental online on my website, davidpecklive.com. And don't forget face-to-facelive.ca uh, for, for a whole slew of other podcasts from the Toronto International Film Festival. We've got a lot of really neat things coming up for 2020 as well. You can advertise with us. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter. Please forward these, these podcasts along to other people. Follow us on social media. Uh, if you can and might even be willing to consider it uh, supporting what we do here, you can do that through Patreon.com. We do have a few supporters now, not too many uh, supporters yet, but, you know, we're building. And you can advertise with us, too. So reach out to us if you're interested in doing that. There's banner ads. We can embed you in podcasts. We can we can get you into the newsletters. There's a variety of different ways we can grow your uh, online audience as well. And if you can't do any of those things, if you could leave us a review, if you like what we're doing here at Face to Face, please do leave us a review at iTunes. We sure would appreciate it. And also, don't forget, Ravel.ca, a whole host of other thinkers and writers and bloggers and podcaster, podcasters um, making contact with reality in meaningful ways. Rabble.ca, news for the rest of us. Face to face appears there as well. Stay tuned uh, for a very interesting conversation about data and, and how it makes us better humans and how it connects to art and culture and things that matter. Lisa Fiorelli coming right up. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by a very special guest with us here today. Lisa Fiorelli is here to, um, well, I'm going to let her tell you what she's here for, but uh, she's with Work and Culture. That's workandculture.ca. And uh, make sure you check them out on Twitter and, and Facebook as well. We're probably going to be doing a few more of those shout outs as we go. But Lisa, thank you for your uh, time today. So I appreciate you uh, joining us here on Face to Face. Oh, really happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. So you are uh, a research and outreach manager. You've worked with with Working Culture for a couple of years. Love to hear a little bit more about that and what you're managing. And and mm-hmm. and what is ex- exactly Working Culture? I'm I'm going to assume that some of our listeners don't know. In fact, probably most of them don't. And and how can we step into you know what you do? And let's not get into the data yet. But uh, uh, tell t- mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about uh, about Working Culture. Absolutely. Uh, so Working Culture is a um, art service organization. We're a not-for-profit uh, based in Toronto, but we cover Ontario as a whole. Our mandate is really to help the people that work in the cultural sector. So we define that really widely anywhere from artists to people who work more on maybe the admin side, whether they're in the not-for-profit or on the for-profit side. Uh, and we help them just manage their careers. So the business skills that they might need, any sort of entrepreneurial training. So we do a lot of workshops on things like, you know, financial planning for artists or business planning uh, down to, you know, how do you manage volunteers? How do you enact uh, diversity and inclusion policies? So really the type of training that's often lacking. A lot of people we find in the sector self-identify sometimes as being bad at business, uh, but really they just need a reframing of some of the business concepts. Uh, so we try to help them get there. Now, most people that interact with us probably do so through our job board. It's uh, one of the bigger ones in Ontario for arts and cultural work. 
Um, so yeah, we have a really big interest in understanding the cultural sector and advocating for it. So typically when people think of artists, it seems to me, I, I've got a background and, and uh, maybe some people will roll their eyes at this, but I, I, I do sleight of hand magic. And so I've been performing magic for years and, and, and there's been this sort of ongoing debate about, oh, are magicians, you know, artists, or are they more, is this a crowd, is a juggler an artist, is a, you know, a variety acts artist. So can you talk a bit uh, how you guys define that a little bit more it's not just visual art it's not just music this could be spoken word i mean there's it's it's a pretty diverse space it seems to me and i think it represents according to your your study close to 280,000 canadians is that right it does yeah and i think who is an artist is like an existential question facing the sector <laughs> oh that's that's fantastic i love it yeah i would agree with that by the way that's hilarious <laughs> Um, as a researcher, I tend to probably like neat definitions, and this is definitely a project where a neat definition is just fundamentally impossible. Um, it is close to, uh, it's 275,000 people, so close to 280. So it's a pretty sizable chunk of Ontario's workforce. Um, and it really Oh, right. Sorry. I said, I said Canada. Sorry. That's 280,000 in Ontario. In Ontario, yeah. Um, it's defining the arts and who participates in it, even whether we use the term artist or cultural worker, which also appears in the report, it, it's really difficult. Um, we do mean people that are, you know, what I would describe as sort of producing art. So people who are visual artists, musicians, so people who are actively creating works of art, um, those are certainly included in our bucket. Um, but we also refer to people who are culture sector workers or arts administrators are sometimes referred to. Uh, so people that might work in jobs like mine, who they, you know, they don't produce any art, but we're a part of that ecosystem that facilitates the creation of art. Um, it could be people working, you know, in a museum, in a gallery, in a library. Um, and then, you know, that's just the non-for-profit sort of side. There's also, you know, the cultural industry. So people working in film and television uh, as producers or, you know, work in finance at a film company. Um, and people that work across music, book publishing, magazine publishing, interactive digital media, so a lot of video games, VR production, um, and the other buckets in the report also include heritage and libraries, so museums. Uh, the report primarily right. refers to the public sector side of that, um, so, you know, your largest museums, the AGO, uh, you know, the Science Center, those sorts of places, um, as well as libraries, so the public sector side of the libraries in this report specifically, so, so it wouldn't so, include... Like, so, Lisa... Lisa, I think I think that the question is: Are is clowning considered an art form? <laughs> I don't think it's <laughs> just to go just to go a little existential on you there. I don't think it specifically was in this report, um, but it, I mean it could be. I don't know. I'm not against it for future iterations of the report. Uh, we did rely pretty much on four large buckets, so the arts traditionally understood to be like visual arts and sort of dance and performing arts. Uh, cultural industries, heritage, and libraries. So and we're also often relying on Statistics Canada, which is not a perfect system for defining the arts either. Um, but right. no, the short right. answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> So, so it, it, what's interesting, I, I, w I would love to chat with you too, just briefly, if you don't mind about, you know, you know, your comment there about Statistics Canada and re reliability. What, what about the, 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 the study and these, this type of data, Do, does your organization then help to inform, um, you know, the Canada, Canada Arts Council, for instance, um, heritage programs, is that sort of where this info and uh, goes and why, and why it's so important? Yeah, I think it's 
harkens back to that sort of existential question. A lot of the issues with defining the sector and figuring out who who's included and who's not um, is really really fundamental work for the sector. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of the sector is serviced by places like the the um, Ontario Arts Council or Canada Council for the Arts that relies on grant funding. A lot of that is making a case for yourself as an industry or as an organization, um, and having a sense of even just how many employees that organization have is really right. integral making a case for yourself for funding, uh, you know. So us having this data and creating this data is sort of trying to make a contribution to that. We as an organization don't really engage in that sort of like advocacy or lobbying activity directly. Uh, but we hope that, you know, by putting this data out there and sort of taking a bit of a different approach than people traditionally use to measure this data, uh, we're hoping to make an important contribution there. We think that having this data in this format and some of that really important demographic information is really important to understand the sector and it's a good snapshot of where we are. Um, I think, you know, going forward, we do want to update it. We do want to tweak it. We'd like to get as accurate as possible um, with the existing frameworks and limitations that we have uh, in terms of quantifying the sector. I mean, a big one for us in this report is, you know, how do we quantify freelance workers or self-employed workers if we're relying on Statistics Canada data? It's really difficult. Um, so that's sort of some of the questions we're grappling with, but we hope that, you know, the report can really give people a sense of where we are in Ontario and what that population looks like. So is making it work made up of, of, uh, former artists or budding artists or artists themselves who, who care a great deal about, you know, uh, um, I guess raging against the machine, you could say, speaking to the status <laughs> quo is that, is that sort of what's driving this or would you say it's, it's statisticians or is it, is it, is it just mm-hmm. people pure, purely who care uh, about this kind of work and, and see an important, uh, contribution that, that artists of all kinds make? Does that, does that yeah. make, does that question make sense? Oh, it's a good question. I, I think it's all three in some ways. Mm. Um, so what we did with the report is, you know, we started off with the numbers, Portion. So we hired a firm called Nordicity. Um, to, they put together the report. They did a lot of the research work, um, and I worked with them pretty closely on this. Um, they started with looking at the Statistics Canada data, but confusing some of the definitions that Stats Canada traditionally used to describe the arts, but applying them to the census, which is you know the biggest piece of data we have about Canadians. Um, and sort of filter it from there. So they took a bit of an innovative approach. Uh, so a lot of, you know, crunching the numbers to get a sense of, you know, what is actually the demographic breakdown of the sector? Uh, what, is, what do incomes look like from that amount of data? We know it's not perfect because we know it probably doesn't do a great job of capturing like freelance and self-employed people um, just because of the way the census is structured. Uh, so we also launched a survey. So we probably did get a lot of people who did, you know, want to fill in a survey to tell us about their working environments, to tell us about the income that they generate or lack thereof. So there is probably a bit of that. Um, and, you know, we also probably got a bit of that rage against the machine just from talking to people. We held some roundtables, like there's a lot of positive that came out of roundtables, but, you know, you get people together to talk about the state of the workforce. And certainly, you know, we hear a lot about what the workforce is like and what it's like to work in culture and, you know, what the challenges people are having. Uh, we heard a lot about opportunities for sure. Uh, but we went to 10 cities and talked to people and had very frank discussions about, you know, the state of the workforce. Do they find staying in the arts as a sustainable career? Like, what are some of the challenges facing them as people or, you know, within their organizations? And some of the recommendations speak to that, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a little bit of everything. There's a lot of people heavily involved and interested in the statistical part of it and the survey findings. But people are really interested in the narrative and the qualitative part of the study as well, from what I found since we released it. 
Would you say that, would you say that making it work, and this is a, I, I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but would you say that you are, are more interested in the, you know, the artistic contribution that, that, that these individuals have to make museums, libraries, artists, et cetera, spoken word, artists, visual musicians, whatever, whatever, however you define that existentially, or is it more, and it's not, it's not that binary. I understand that, but or is it more about supporting those people in order for them to do their work and, and to create a space for them to, you know, live and move and breathe and, and, you know, uh, business, you know, build capacity essentially, I suppose. So in other words, you guys become almost become advocates for them in a sense by creating, mm-hmm. you know, these types of reports and, 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 and the, this type of training and so on. Yeah. I think for us, it's, it's, it's more the latter. I think we, we see this report as a tool. I think as a research person, obviously I liked, I like research for the sake of research, but I do see that the life of this report and the meaning of this report is really in how people apply it and how people use it. Um, we want to give people the information that empowers them. So whether it's, you know, they could look at this report and pull something out of it that helps them with grant writing. Um, we would love that. That'd be my dream situation that somebody can use something from here and, you know, get a project done that they've been meaning to get done. Right. Right. There's a practice. Um, there's a practice. It's not just numbers for the sake of numbers and it goes on yeah. a shelf and people refer to it academically, but this actually makes a difference in somebody's life. Yeah. And I think something we heard that really resonated with me as an individual is, a lot of people felt that their issues in the cultural sector were tied to just the overall perception of the value of cultural work. Mm. So people felt like they were underappreciated because, you know, people don't think this is a real job. Um, people think we do this for love and exposure, but this is like a career that I'm, you know, I'm trying to make a career. I need to pay my mortgage, I need to pay my rent. I have skills like these are digital skills like these are, you know, people like to feel valued in what they do. Uh, so I think part of that advocacy strategy for us, at least going forward, is just, you know, reinforcing that, like, these are, this is a very highly skilled workforce. This is young, energetic people. These are, you know, it, it varies in terms of demographics. It's a little bit younger than the overall workforce in Ontario, but it's not just about the youth either. But um, it's this is an interesting workforce with skills of the future and skills that are not necessarily easily automated. Uh, creativity and problem solving is not always something that could be, you know, taken over by AI in five years. Like these are important skills that we want people to have. Um, and how do we better support them, I think, is a question for, for us as an organization and as a sector. Like, how do we make sure that people understand that, you know, working in the arts doesn't actually only mean that you're a starving artist. Like, there are people right. making it work in the sector, like, to rely on the title a bit. But, like, there are people who are making this work for themselves and they're finding new and innovative ways to sustain their careers. So I think we just want people to, you know take a look at the data and maybe have their impression of the sector changed a little bit. Like there's a lot we have to work on, but there's certainly a lot of positive, I think from the, from the report. So, so I was, I was actually quite surprised to see that the average salary was, was over $40,000 a year and that 80% of the people that you surveyed um, were, 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 were getting their incomes from art, art related activities. I mean, that, that kind of buoyed my spirits a little bit. I mean, is, is that a, is that a fair place to go, would you say, or, or are we a long way away from, from people being able to sustain families and so on, you know, through, through, through cultural, the cultural sector? I think it's a, it's a moving target. I think in some, some segments of the report do better at that than others. I would say that the largest sample, especially from the surveys in the cultural industries, so sort of that for-profit music industry, publishing, which the, the salaries tended to be higher. Certainly people that are working in the art sector as practicing artists aren't experiencing that um, level of salary. I think the 
once we exclude the cultural industries from the sample, it drops down to about 34000 a year, um, which, at least if they live in Toronto, is, is not a sustainable salary. I think um, it's not as I was expecting the overall average to be lower when I started oh, okay. out this work. Um, so I, I was happily surprised. I think there's a lot of room to grow and there's a lot of improvement that needs to be made. And people are certainly concerned about their sustainability in the sector. A lot of what we heard, especially in the roundtable, was people, you know, they get to a certain point in their lives where they I, they want to have a child, they want to buy a house, and they're not finding that's possible um, in the sector. So we have to figure out how we how we get people to stay in the sector and what changes need to be made. Um, but I would say that, yeah, it, it's it's hard to get one average, I guess, that speaks to 275,000 people. Um, well, and it's, still, it, it's such a thing about, about perspective. I mean, where do you live? I mean, over $40,000 a year. What does that what does that actually mean depending on how many how many people are in your family and so on and it just i guess i, I you know i often hear comedians uh, variety acts mostly i guess talk about how oh gee we got to move to the u.s or what a different market it is there and and it's just it's kind of you know it's it's i guess it's not surprising in some respects it's a it's a bigger market mm-hmm. and it seems like there's more opportunities but you'd like to think that in the age of you know this global village supposedly i say that in quotes or put it in italics that we live in you would like to think there are other you know there are newer opportunities coming up you know youtube and so on and and what you know are are there other ways of for 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 people who who work within the sector to to hmm, maybe not just offset their income but actually grow it i, I don't know maybe that's way it's just a, a massive oversimplification but but just wondering if you have any thoughts on that no i think that's an important part of the puzzle as well um when we looked at the type of skills that people wanted to learn um, or to, they thought they needed to develop their career further. A lot of it was around, you know, marketing and communicating impact and figuring out, you know, just figuring out the importance of what they're doing and how to talk about it better. Um, I think we see a lot of, you know, people who are interested in export generally. Um, people really do want to figure out a way, you know, we live in an age with all of these platforms. They need to figure out how to use Etsy to sell their craft better and what skills they need. And often, often what it comes down to, especially if you're an independent artist, is that you really need five jobs. You're not just being the creator, but you're also your own social media person, website developer, accountant, um, you know, marketing expert. So people are, you know, people are trying to find a way to make it work. I think, um, I think the question of geography is a big one. Depending where you are, the situation is very different. Like we had round tables in places, you know, as small as Owen sound. And we had round tables in Toronto. Like the situation is quite different. Um, Toronto people were very concerned about, you know, gentrification and the cost of living and things like that. We're Owen Sound. We're trying to, you know, find a way to make this sustainable career. And people had carved out really interesting work for themselves. But, you know, everybody kind of wants to be more interconnected and everybody's sort of looking for the same skills, just probably at different levels um, and different types of them. But certainly, yeah, dealing with YouTube for musicians, like these are the sorts of things we get a lot of requests on and uh, direct people to resources to help them with that. Um, but yeah, I think navigating a global environment is is something that it's an opportunity and a challenge, I guess, for our workforce. Well, there's so much, so much about it too, that we don't know. I mean, I've been doing podcasting now for, for, I guess maybe informally for over five and a half years or something like that coming up on 450 published interviews. I mean, it sounds I mean, it is wonderful and it's, it's, it's a huge sort of milestone, but, 
but wow, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a challenge. This is not what I do full time. And, and how do people cross over to that, you know, start generating income and, and how do yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like there's just so many aspects to it, the social media side of it. Of course, there's the editing, all of it's part of the craft, part of the art. However you look at it, you got to do the research. It's uh, Oh, and if I want money, maybe I need to write some proposals. So yeah, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's complex and it's, it's a challenge. And I think, I think, I think artists are, um, Hmm. They're not always going to be great at, uh, well, anyone, you could put anyone in this category, but just because you're, <coughs> excuse me, a great artist doesn't mean you're going to be a great accountant and a great social media. Yeah. Sorry, and we person. Hope, <laughs> um, yeah. And we try to give people, you know, with our training, we try to give people, we're not trying to turn the artist, you know, into an accountant. <laughs> we would just like to give them, you know, the basics that can help them. Maybe, you know, it just improves their next grant application or maybe it just improves their next marketing campaign. Just give them a little bit of that practical education that can go a long way. Um, You don't want to take the art out of the person, but I think sometimes you need a bit of the business skill to just, if you want to make this a sustainable career for yourself, it's, no one said it's going to be easy, uh, but there are certain things you can do that are within your purview to sort of learn and, you know, just supplement uh, what you're doing with your art. I think we see a lot of that and a lot of desire for that. People, you know, they know it's not going to be easy and they will need to be their own marketing person for a bit. And, you know, maybe hopefully they'll grow the career to a point where they can hire someone to help with this. But at least at the beginning, especially like, people do need a lot of support and we're happy to provide that. Like most of our stuff is for free as well. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy. I think the report talks a lot about some of the challenges people are facing, um, but we certainly had people that were very excited and very proud to work in the sector and we're, trying to do good. Did you find, did you find stepping away from this and and maybe this is connected to the financial side of things? I mean, I've written many, many proposals over the years because of some of the work that I do and have done and, and they're, they're tough. They're really hard. I mean, you need data, you need research, you need budgets, you need to bring other people in. It seems, did you step away from, from, from the report saying this should be easier? (laughs) That's a good question. Um, I think I walked away from the report wondering how we can make it easier as an organization. I guess that's the question that's been sort of stuck in my head since we released it in May. Uh, what's working culture? We're, I think people often assume we're bigger of an organization than we really are. Uh, we're six people. You know, we don't offer any funding. We're a nonprofit fighting for the same pie as everyone else is. Um, I think we've done a lot of navel gazing on what our role is to make this a little bit better for Someone right. we want our research to have meeting, meaning we want people to walk away from this is not thinking, okay, they did a report. Cool. That's great. And then forget about it in six months. So we're actually going to be rolling out some new programming um, in the next coming months to sort of address some of the skills gaps or like the major recommendations of the report. But certainly like, what can we do to make this a better place to work? And what can we do to enable other people to, you know, just fight some of these like, misconceptions about the sector that people have and give give people a little bit more confidence to talk about, you know, we're 275,000 people. It's a pretty big workforce. Um, There's, you know, there are four and five culture sector workers have some form of post-secondary credential. Like these, I think these things go against some of the myths that we do have about the sector. Um, So that's, it's a good question. I don't have a great answer, but we we're considering, we're, this is something that's definitely 
we think yeah, about sure. all the time right now. Well, think, to, yeah. Yeah, for, absolutely. It's not, not an easy question. And I don't, <clears throat> I don't necessarily think there's a, there's a black and white answer, but you know, things like, things like insurance and, and support and capacity building and, and, and access, I suppose, to, to opportunity when you're working, when you're working on your own, mm-hmm. um, you know, you've got your home office in your uh, bedroom and you, and maybe the local coffee shop down the road, you know, I mean, these are wonderful. Um, I've been a consultant. I, there's, there's freedom in that, but there's also, mm-hmm. you know, there's also, uh, um, access issues, if you know what I mean. You're not, mm-hmm. you're not, uh, you're not developing in other ways. There's not necessarily a community around you and so on. So I think, you know, I think our artists, I think Canadian artists, Ontario artists do need, our support and it wouldn't it be wonderful if 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 others would be able to you know see a report like this and say you know what this is a large portion of the province of Canada really if, if you extrapolate if you extend this out elsewhere because I would imagine this applies in other towns and cities mm-hmm. and, and places yeah. around the world what does that now mean right if if mm-hmm. there's this many people doing this kind of work I think we need to start asking some other questions it seems to me I think, yeah, it's an opportunity to to step back, I think, and take a look at our workforce. Um, I think, I guess one of my bigger fears is just judging by the income and the demographic makeup of the sector, that this becomes a sector where you can't afford to be working in it unless you have something to fall back on. And we don't want it to become a sector that you can only participate in if you can afford the opportunity cost of what else you could be doing. Well, you know, I, I can I can afford to do a, I can be a podcaster because my wife's a real estate agent, or mm-hmm. you know that you know what I mean. Shouldn't yeah. wouldn't it be? I mean, and again, is is this just a dream that we have here that we're talking about, Lisa? I mean, is this yeah. just idealistic and silly because you know they don't uh, artists don't generate enough tax? You know, <laughs> like uh, you don't want to go you don't want to go sideways and all cynical, but you you do have to start to wonder. Yeah, yeah, you do. Uh, I think it's a fair question. I think it speaks to some of the things we've heard regarding sort of inclusion and diversity in the sector, like who can afford to be here and who can afford to be in this room right. doing Good. art. Yeah, think, yeah. Know, it's a valid question. I think some of it's, you know, it's some of it's living in the world in 2019 and sort of, you know, dealing with cost of housing and cost of space to work. Like those are huge issues that, you know, work and culture can't, can't really change. Uh, but I think we can maybe some of it is some of it, at least I think is in our hands to sort of look reflectively and what are ways that we can perpetuate better situations for people and not make it that they have to give up so much to be in the sector. Um, I think a concrete example of what I'm talking about is our job board recently made it uh, mandatory to post um salary ranges. So employers, when they're posting a job, have to include salary ranges. It's a very small Mm. step, but I think pay equity is something that is important um, in a sector where incomes vary so much and people are working at very small organizations and we want to make sure that people are being paid fairly for their wages. And I think it's historically a difficult conversation, um, not just in the arts and lots of nonprofit situations as well. There's a whole decent work movement, um, you know, that we support. And that's a little step we've taken sort of to start to have this conversation, but I think it's something important to keep in mind. We, we do, in fact, want people to want to work in the sector, but you don't want it to be a situation where you can only work here if you're already rich or, you, you know, you've married someone and that can afford to subsidize you. I think taking a look at what we're doing as a sector is also important. Yeah, you, you don't need a rich uncle just to, to be an artist. We shouldn't, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, you shouldn't you shouldn't have to be or or stumble across a pot of gold while walking down the street. Yeah, I mean it's it does seem to be sort of like that to some degree. And like I said, I, I I've got I've, for years I've heard this got to move to the U.S. and it's just there's something there's something kind of unsettling about that. It, it, it seems to me. Um, what what did you find uh, most surprising uh, about this? Uh, anything that really sort of uh, made you step back when it you know you talk you talk about loving data and so on? Any real mm-hmm. anomalies there? That's a good question. Um, I think the one of the bigger things that stuck out to me. Um, is how many people were earning 80% of their annual income from arts related activities. Like we have, Mm. there's a lot of data already out there about average salaries of artists, uh, whether it's anecdotal or survey based. Um, But I think what's more important is not necessarily the the salary bracket people are in, but how much of their income they're actually able to get from their primary occupation. Uh, I think it speaks to the way the sector is changing, the way it engages with the gig economy. Uh, So I'd be interested in the next year's keep taking a look at that percentage and see how it changes across demographics. Um, right. It can even anecdotally in like my circle, uh, a lot of people are, you know, they're getting a, some of their money from their arts activities, but they're branching out into things like consulting or they're branching out into, you know, teaching if they're a musician or they have some other job to supplement. Um, we're seeing a little bit more of that fragmentation. Um, so be interesting, you know, we know it's happening anecdotally and it's hard to collect that data. So I'd like to keep asking that question if we can. Um, figuring out what are people doing and how are they getting that other 20% and seeing if that number changes now over time. What, uh, yeah, yeah, no, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. What would you say that, uh, um, money ranked pretty high money as far as concerns? Yeah. Money, money and capacity building, maybe money and, and, um, um, training. Yeah. I think money was, um, it was the, most commonly cited um, issue facing culture sector workers. Uh, salary, low income was what was identified. Um, and on the organizational sites, we asked the same questions, but to people who opted to identify as um, an organization, if they were a senior manager above. Um, but keeping pace with salary expectations was also, that was a common problem across the sector. Um, it's not always also, I think, something I've, I've been trying to clarify a lot lately. Sometimes it's not actually the number in the salary. There are a lot of jobs in the sector that do hit pay reasonably well. Um, the people were concerned about the precariousness of the job. So it wasn't that mm. they're low paid. They were fine with salary, but, you know, they didn't know if the job would actually be there next March. Right. <laughs> so right. there's that element of as well uh, that I think was something to keep note of in the report. And people were also a really major one and on both sides. So whether people were, you know, independent artists or whether they worked at a larger organization, work-life balance was something that kept Mm. coming up. Uh, And people were finding a lot of encroachment um, on work-life balance, which makes sense. You know, if you're an individual artist trying to, you know, be your own accountant, like, do you ever really have a minute to not be working? Uh, but I think we saw it a lot. You kind of, of never, you kind of never stop, right? You kind of never yeah. stop. It's, it's. You know, I know when I worked as a consultant, there was, you know, offices at home. If you got out to the local coffee shop or you had a meeting, you sort of broke away from it, but you were always on. Mm-hmm. There was another yeah. proposal. There was someone else to research because this is directly tied to my weekly income. And 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 yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, how, how could it be otherwise in a way? I mean, I, I would say that, and, and what's kind of a tragedy to me, and you guys must have a lot of conversations around this. I would think this comes up with, with, you know, your leadership and your board and so on, but isn't it a tragedy that the artist, the cultural worker is being taken away from the work that they, you know, are being driven, driven to do, mm-hmm. um, 
because they're, you know, they, 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 they lack the entrepreneurial skill, which, you know, is it's part of life. I get it. But I guess it, I guess it sort of comes down to the importance. And I think that's, what's interesting for me when, when, when this first came up, you know, into my inbox and, and started to read through it was where, where do you put art? Where do you put culture? Where do you put libraries and museums in, you know, the scheme of things, how important it is to you as a, well, here in Canada, as a province, as as a government, as an individual, as a family, what, how, how how do you approach that with your kids, and 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 as you teach and so on? I think I think for me, that's the the bigger implication that comes mm-hmm. out of this. Um, I don't know where you stand on that, but that's certainly what one 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 of my takeaways. Yeah, that's an important takeaway, and that sort of speaks to you know people thought that a lot of the challenges they were facing was it's based on the societal perception of the value of art. Um, an interesting anecdote that we got at one of the roundtables was. Um, this organization had historically gone into high schools to talk to people about creative careers, uh, but they were finding a lot of resistance because kids would say, you know, my parents want me to work in this other industry where I'm going to make money. Right, we, right. Like, you, can, you can be an artist as long as you get a real job as well. Yeah. And you combat a bit of that. And I think we work in culture does some work as well with post-secondary education uh, institutions. Um, and I remember getting questions about that from one of the students that I was paired up with, um, like a speed networking thing and trying to make the point that, you know, just cause you, there are lots of jobs in the arts. Um, I think people have a very specific image when you say arts and culture, they do think of an artist, which is great because that's the heart of sure. what we're yep. trying to do. Uh, but you know, there are marketing professionals, there are accountants, like Absolutely, there's a, yeah. truly a wealth of skill in the sector. Um, just cause you know, the job doesn't exist today. doesn't mean it won't exist in six months, like virtual reality. Like there's lots of really interesting work to be done. Um, and I think the value proposition is really just talking to people more about what we do in the arts. And, you know, sometimes that argument has to be economic. Sometimes it's, you know, we have a pretty significantly large workforce. We do contribute to the economy. We generate tourism dollars. Like we, we are, right. well, lots of jobs. Yeah, yeah, no, we, have, we have half there, but also there's, you know, the sociocultural benefits. We want to live in a society uh, that has art in it, I think. Um, I mean, we, I can't think of many people who go through their whole day without interacting, you know, with the radio, with music, with the internet, with content and any, you know, whether that's podcasts and people interact with the stuff they want it. Um, so maybe we should just do a better job of, you know, it's not, it's not going to solve the problem, but just being better at explaining what it is that we do and the value, what we do and being more forthcoming about that and taking it a bit out of the shadows. Yeah, you know, I uh, sadly we're going to have to wrap up the conversation here shortly. But I, I think for me that that that's a, a brilliant sort of takeaway, and a, and a, it's an affirmation and and a challenge, frankly, to 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 the sector as a whole, I suppose, and to to politicians and to uh, policymakers and so on. You know, where where do we put it? Do we put it on a pedestal? Is it low on the ladder? And and um um and and and, and as you were just chatting a little bit about that, I kind of thought, you know, where would we be without art? You know, where would we be? You know, it does seem like, oh, wow, if you're, you're actually trying to feed people, maybe art's not really high on your list. I don't Mm -hmm. know what Maslow would say. I'm not sure what Maslow really knew (laughs) anyway, but that's for another interview and another time. But uh, yeah, where would we be without it? Like you say, we're interacting with it in a variety of different ways and pretty much each and every day. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, yeah, I understand that we're never, you know, there's lots of important things and not suggesting that art is necessarily number one on that list. But I think that, you know, I, 
we're very modest as a sector, but I think that, right. um, well, it's, a, I mean, I seem, I think, I mean, isn't, isn't art a pathway to change? It's about asking new questions. It's about mm-hmm. seeing things in a new way. It's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it, it seems, yeah, the purpose of art uh, or one of the purposes of art is to peel back those layers yeah. to go, you know, to go a little bit deeper in, into whatever it, it is. And, and, uh, I mean, on, on a, on a certain level, that's, that's gotta be valid for no other reason than, than, than going a little deeper. Yeah. And I think sometimes the hardest person to convince of that is ourselves. Um, right. <laughs> you know, right. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I yeah. step away from it and I talk about this report with people who don't work in the sector. They're like, oh yeah, no, this is great. This is awesome. And I'm always like, right. I, I don't, you know what? Don't always have to convince people. Uh, it's important. Like they, they get it. They understand it. It's just, you know, we just maybe need to talk about it more and talk about the wide variety of things that happen in the sector. Yeah. It's good. It's good. You don't always have, that's, that's a really positive note. So it seems to me to end on, you know, you don't always have to convince people it's important. They, they get it. That's a uh, nice, nice to end on a positive note. Uh, uh, thank, thanks so much for your time today. We've been talking with Lisa Fiorelli about uh, uh, a report that you can actually find all, I believe 111 pages of it, but you don't have to read all of it because it's actually uh, broken down quite nicely. Make, it's called making it work. And uh, can, why don't you just tell us, uh, Lisa, where, where they can find that uh, on, on the site mm-hmm. and a little bit more about, about, um, about uh, work and culture just before we wrap. Yeah, for sure. So you can find the report, uh, both the executive summary and the full length version uh, on uh, workingculture.ca slash research. Uh, it's the lead item on that page. We also put together, um, not everybody likes to read reports. So we put together a sheet of infographics also um, that just, you know, very neatly and nicely and aesthetically pleasing uh, interpretation of the data. Um, and you can also find more information about us or any of the work we do uh, on our Twitter, which is at the handle is Working Culture, um, or on Facebook as well, Working Culture. It's great. And the report was called Making It Work, Pathways Towards Sustainable Cultural Careers. Exactly. And it came out in May. May. Thank, thanks for your time today. We've been talking again with Lisa Ferrelli about uh, the, the new report coming out of work from Work and Culture, uh, Making It Work, Pathways Toward Sustainable Cultural Careers. Thanks for your time today. Lisa. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit 
yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.